Welcome to the Canadian Grand Prix New Product Award bonus episode of The Food Professor. My co-host Sylvain Charlebois and I were thrilled to support Retail Council of Canada's New Product Awards this year as we are both big believers in supporting new and innovative products at the grocery shelves and beyond. In this episode, I interview visionary chef Marcus Van Albrecht, who has overseen the judging process for over 20 years. But we start this bonus episode with an exclusive interview with Jessica Wright, Director of Marketing from Quebec's Montpac. Jessica takes us through their new Family Fontaine line of veal products and what it takes to get this new brand created into the market, onto grocery shelves, and onto consumers' dinner tables, and ultimately winning one of the top specialty awards, the All-Canadian Award. Jessica, welcome to the Food Professor Podcast. How are you doing today? Hi, thank you. I'm really good today. Tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your role at Montpac and, and all about Montpac. Uh, I joined Montpac two years ago as a marketing director, always working in food, marketing, dairy, olive oil. So in the meat industry was my first time. Uh, for those who don't know Montpac, uh, Montpac is a Canadian family-owned company. They raise and process uh, local veal, lamb, and beef. So it is owned by a family, the, the Fontaine family, and they are responsible for the, all the stages of the production, from the cultivation of the cereal and the milk replacer for the animals, the transport, and also the processing at the plant. So they really do from farm to plate uh, process. And, and where, you, where are you based in uh, Quebec? We're based in Laval. I understand that uh, Quebec is a real source of veal. What is it, 52%? It, it like is. the majority of veal is in Quebec, yeah? It is. And all, all our veal are from Quebec. Well, you know, you, you were a big winner at the Retail Council of Canada's Canadian Grand Prix New Products Awards. And I wanted to talk about the evolution of the Fontaine family brand, which was new, and the color purple, which seems to dominate. I mean, it, it's... It's such a different color. It's so interesting. I, I read that it helped sales increase. But you, tell us about how that all came about, because that's, a, I think, a, before we get to the product itself, I'm, I'm curious about that. Yeah, for sure. So I was specifically hired to create and launch that Fontaine Fabi brand, uh, especially for Ville uh, as a first step, uh, because when I arrived at uh, Montpac, they were selling me but it was white label, so they had no branding, no name, no advertising. Mm-hmm. was really there to create uh, that family, uh, Fontaine family brand. So the brand was launched in uh, last September, and we started from scratch. So we had to find the name, we had to develop a logo, find the packaging and all the label. Uh, the first thing we, we did was to really brainstorm about the name, because you know how important a name is for a brand. Mm-hmm. At that challenge that we wanted to have a name that would resonate mm-hmm. both in French and English. So we wanted a name that was easy to pronounce and understand among Anglophones, but also uh, Francophones. So we, we put a lot of time for, for the name. Uh, we want also a name that would carry the values of the brand, of the family behind, so that uh, show authenticity, quality, credibilities. So we, we, we came out with Fontaine Family. It might seem obvious for all the reasons that I just mentioned, but I had to put a lot of energy uh, to convince the family to put their name of the brand because as a low-profile family, they didn't think about having their own name. So this is why I, I, I tested the name Fontaine Family with another one, but uh, Fontaine Family scored above expectation and in both markets. So this is why... 
we went on with uh, Fontaine family. And the second uh, important aspect of the brand was, of course, the color of the, the packaging. Uh, once again, there was a lot of reflection behind the decision. Uh, the first thing I wanted to achieve with the packaging was to have something that would uh, stand out of shelves. Because mm-hmm. it's really a small category within the meat category. There are well-established big players in the meat protein category. And I didn't have an astronomic advertising budget. So I really want the packaging to, to play a central role in, in, in the launch. So this is why when we began, I didn't want any black, white, red, or gold color, which are often associated with the meat category. I want a color that would have an impact and also appeal to younger consumers. So we explored a lot of color. Uh, but the second aspect I really want to to make sure is that the meat uh, looks good, look good and fresh in the packaging. Sure, sure. For example, a color can be good, like for example, green looks natural, clean. But when you put veal in a green packaging, the meat tends to reveal kind of green tense. So it's not very amazing. So. Even if some colors look really good for packaging, I want to make sure that the meat and the color uh, fits together. So we did a lot of in-house tests with different color. And finally, we selected the, the purple color. So when we decided on the color, we also had to work with our uh, with Cascade, our supplier, uh, packaging supplier, to make sure that it was feasible to have a purple uh, tray because we don't see that on the market. Mm-hmm. Once we had the confirmation that it was possible, we also test that purple color among consumer. We saw that we, we had the, the right fit. So this is why we did, decided to, to go with the, the purple. And purple is kind of our USP. So all our advertising, we always make sure that it's surrounded by purple. And um, so it, it was really a, a teamwork with like suppliers, agency, and and us here to to develop that uh, new brand. Well, congratulations on taking that step and the courage of the Fontaine family. You know, I can imagine the first meeting where you said, I want to be purple. <laughs> like it's so, you know, it's so different, but c- congratulations yeah, on seeing and that. You, you, have, you have to be fact-based. I mean, even if you like it, mm. you have to make sure that consumers love it too, that your products looks good that there's no other color on the market or that the color mm-hmm. sit with something you don't want to be associated with. Now, you were the winner. Congratulations of the All-Canadian and uh, in the meat and the frozen categories for specifically the veal nuggets. Tell me about that product. Where did the inspiration come from? Um, what was the journey of developing the product? And 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 then where can I find it? Where, where can listeners find it? Yeah, well, uh, the veal nuggets... As our so because we also put in the contest our veal meatballs, our part are ready to cook line, which was really developed for people looking for quick, practical, and healthy solution for a meal. And health is really at the basis of the development. So when we de- we start to, to create that line, we really want want the products to have the least amount of ingredient, max five ingredient at the latest. No allergens, no preservatives, and a low level of salt. So this was kind of our development brief. For the nugget, it really came when we started brainstorming about what kids love 
and that are really that is really popular and that sometimes cannot be too healthy. So how could we can mm. a popular product? So this is why we came out with the the, the nugget. And uh, I, I have to say that it, it was quite a challenge because the idea was good, but, but since we're using fresh meat instead of frozen meat, which is usually used, uh, that was a challenge. But also, I didn't want any frying in the product because I really have a healthy uh, product. And I can tell that breadcrumb, bread sorry, alone can sometimes contain more than five ingredients. So mm. it, it was this this part was really hard. So uh, instead, we, we, we use cornmeal uh, to, to do the, 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 the covering. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and in addition, we also use a non-GMO cornmeal since cornmeal can be perceived by some consumer as bad. So this is, uh, we, we want to really have something different. So we use a non-GMO. So at the end, we ended up with uh, something really delicious, fresh and healthy that uh, that uh, that is made of uh, of veal. So we're really proud about this product and all the uh, the other other products because we also have, as I mentioned, the meatballs, and we just launched uh, also the kefta with the same uh, five ingredient: no allergen, no preservative, and uh, low in sodium. So from from start to finish, uh, how long does a process like that? take so from when you sit around and decide that here's a, a a new product that we'd like to have and we think we know what it is to when it's on the shelves what how long did that take for you uh, we're talking about almost a year mm. with all the tests about also finding the the right ingredient and also limiting the the number of ingredients it is it is a real challenge it is it is because you want to have good taste you want to have Good appearance. All of this takes longer than sometimes add more ingredients. Well, you clearly hit the mark because you're a, a big award winner. Tell us where <laughs> listeners can find your product if they want to buy it in uh, in Canada. Actually, the whole range of Fontaine family product, which include also yes, they're ready to cook, but we also have like uh, cuts, uh, meat cuts, are available in all major banners in Quebec and Ontario, like. Costco, Metro, Loblaws, IGA, Longos, only to name a few. And we also mm-hmm. have Lamb under Fontaine family. Oh, fantastic. Well, listen, Jessica, it, it, thank you for sharing the story with you. Congratulations again. It's a, it's a wonderful packaging. It's a wonderful, well-thought-out product and brand and packaging. So congratulations. And, and once again, um, uh, thank you for joining me on the Food Professor podcast. Thank you very much. Hi, it's Kent Allen, principal of the Research Trust and co-founder at the Global E-Commerce Leaders Forum. Very excited to announce the latest extension of the Global E-Commerce Leaders Forum events, the Global E-Commerce Tech Talks podcast. In partnership with Jim Okamura, Scott Silverman, and host Michael LeBlanc, we'll be debuting and discussing custom proprietary research designed specifically for global e-commerce retailers. We'll be talking to e-commerce industry leaders around the world to help us sharpen our saw blades when it comes to doing business across borders. Check out the one-minute trailer episode available now on Apple and Spotify, plus all the major podcast platforms, with episodes debuting every two weeks. 
Marcus, welcome to the Food Professor Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you very kindly, Michael. Well, it's great to hear your voice. You and I have, have known each other and, and have seen each other, worked together for many years. But for the for the listeners who may not know of you, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your role with the Canadian Grand Prix New Product Awards. Uh, I'm a, a chef back here in, in the west coast of Canada. I've been in the food industry for 32 years, uh, working my way up from corporate chef to president of the Chefs Association to national president and working with uh, individuals both in the cooking and the education component of food. Working with the Canadian Grand Prix, it started about 21 years ago. I was given a call by the people from the Grand Prix at that time looking for someone that had a background in food and would help them out. And I said I would give it a year's try, and now 21 or 22 years later, I'm still there. <laughs> well, that's a long, long run of seeing a lot of different product innovation. Now, tell me about the trends you've observed this time around. I mean, you get, you get that front row seat during the judging. You get to see the people, see the products that come in. Anything that struck you this year, particularly about um, you know what has changed over time, time and then is there any one thing you could put your thumb on in terms of defining characteristics about what's the difference between a finalist and the winner like what what in your mind as you both observed and participated stood out again both in any trends and then and then if you could you know put your thumb on a winning different characteristic of those that made the made the the finish line wow that's that's uh, going to be a complicated answer 20 some years ago we saw items that were submitted to the Canadian Grand Prix that were um, burgers with flavorings put inside them. And uh, organic was a very small quantity of products. We would sample up to 60 products a day. So if you times that by the mm. five days, you're, you're looking at 300 products that were submitted in the food category. I would say that the vegetarian was something of just a thought 20 years ago. And what we've seen, for example, in last year's products was a mass introduction of tasty, plant-based, beyond beef, beyond meat type products that incorporated flavor profiles that anybody that ate meat would love. High-end quality products that you would find in restaurants are now available for the consumers. Uh, simplistic packaging, so as not to confuse the customers to what's inside. They have a clear picture of the item, um, a, a nice white background or something of, of uh, nature or something of that nature, uh, pardon me, in the, in the background of the packaging. So it was easy to read. It had clear pictures of what was inside. The consumer could see a higher-end product based on certain colors that were followed. For example, a higher-end product might be in a dark purple or box uh, trim or, or black box or gold trim. So that when you purchase the product, you were able to make the distinction between some of the lesser quality products. Price point. Hmm. Manufacturers have worked over the years to 
maintain a good value to price point ratio so that consumers weren't feeling that they were you know, paying more for something of a fancier quality. Nutrition has been a big factor over the years, and we've seen the ingredient list come down to a few basic ingredients that people understand. So they feel that they're more nutritionally inclined and safer for them to eat. What we saw this year, or pardon me, last year, was products that were plant-based. Now, what does that mean to you? Plant-based product, one might think it's of uh, guacamole or you know things of that nature, but the, nice. they had cauliflower um, pizza crust. Cauliflower-based pizza mm. crust. Now, that's very imaginative. And not only that, it tasted good. Mm -hmm. The, the mm. quality of the ingredients, the quality of the cheese, products, for example, that uh, you could buy of ahi tuna, tataki, that was uh, put in a vacuum bag. Mm. You took it, took it to your home, you thawed it out, and you instantly had restaurant food. You know, a lot of the things that you're, you're highlighting are so interesting because it, it kind of is a segue to the next question, but you see these trends, whether it's plant-based or the restaurant quality food delivered. And I can't but think that what's happening with the COVID crisis in terms of our behaviors, eating out less, cooking more, is got to start, I think you're already seeing that trend, but it's, it's like it's been accelerated. And it feels like, and I'd, I'd love to get your opinion on this, that as you think about what's going to happen for twenty for the 2021 awards, which is products introduced in 2020, that the folks introducing these products are thinking about what is different now in the way that people eat. I mean, one big difference you and I were talking about off mic is, of course, less people eating at restaurants and they're eating different things. Is that going to impact, you know, does this keep going up? In other words, do I, do I need to, does the game get even, my game need to be even better because people are now are, are cooking more at home and enjoying more at home. And they're, they're looking for that restaurant quality foods. It, it's fascinating just picking up on the threads of what you've observed over the many years, but again, over from last year, like the ahi tuna or whatever, that it's this restaurant quality, but available from store shelf. Well, it's interesting to, um, to look back over the years of the products. And I think that I noticed the quality of food available to the consumer increased when the price of housing increased. And what we kind of put the correlation to was that if a person needed to or was buying a house, for example, here in Vancouver, it was a two-income house required to make the mortgage payment. So when people, they like to go out to restaurants, but, you know, you, you work until 6, 7 o'clock at night or, or whatever, you don't feel like going home and unwinding and, and going out to a restaurant. So you stop and grab some of these wonderful things that you can take home and cook. And we actually saw, you know, the, the start of uh, skip the dishes and things of that nature several years back. But it, there, mm. we really didn't put a name onto it because the products in the grocery stores were improving their quality. They were uh, kits that you could take home. For example, one of the items that we had was uh, stir-fried protein at this time, but it also had vegetables, protein, and mm. sauce. 
but they were in individual little components of the packaging so that you could take them home and put them all together and cook it and have a, a great dish. So someone was mm. thinking of, of the packaging. We, we also had a package, uh, packaged item from Lethbridge, Alberta, of all places, and it was a shelf-stable food product in a box. And it came with a bag that had a piece of uh, zinc. And you put water into the bag with the zinc. And the upper chamber of the bag is where you put your food, your shelf-stable food product. And they would have a chemical reaction with the water and the zinc. And it would put heat up and heat your item. Well, that was at the Canadian Grand Prix. That item went to the Army and is, is used today. We, we saw some real trend-setting things that became mainstream. Food that we have today to take home is consumers are demanding a better quality and a better lifestyle and also focusing on more of the farm-to-fork where the ingredients mm. are local, they're packaged, they're taken home and made into meals. It's surprising how the, the current pandemic that we have, we saw more and more people, of course, being forced to stay at home. But there was a, a shortage of yeast, for example, because everybody was making bread at home. Mm -hmm. And you know, getting some of these good quality items at the grocery stores, making bread, having wine, liquor sales went through the roof. Yeah. Uh, home delivery became yes. a big thing. So do you think that home delivery of grocery stores, food and items, are, is going to be on the increase. And we've already seen that. We see that all of the major players are, are having home delivery, free home delivery, and you can buy top quality items, have it delivered at home, and never go to a grocery store. And who wants to stand in a lineup six feet apart from each other for half an hour to get into a store to buy food? Well, you know, you, uh, I'll pick up on that thread and as we think through and, and in the next episode of the Food Professor podcast, actually, we're going to be talking about Sylvain and I'll be talking about some research they're doing on the impacts of food service from people working at home. You know, millions of Canadians today are not going to the office and it's create and, and we're trying to understand in this initial research, which just has a huge impact on food services, you can imagine uh, people eating at home. I'm wondering if it introduces a more com a more acceptance, so to speak, of a complicated, a more complicated cook. In other words, if I go back 20, 30 years, the Swanson Hungry Man dinner, right? Put it in a tray, put it in a oven, and it's ready. The, the, it's very simple. All the way to meal kits, which arrive pre-cut and measured, but you still get to add your creativity. Do you think there's room in the consumer household, given what's happened in the past six months and what will happen over the next six months, more people eating at home, to accept more complicated meal prep? Do you think you think the pendulum has swung over that way because of all this? Oh, my God. So does that mean they're going to get rid of the us chefs in the world? <laughs> <laughs> no, just the opposite. I mean, just the they're going to need people like you to kind of help uh, help translate you know, these things. And then I do actually think, you know, I'm going to pick up on that. I do think that restaurants have to up their game in the years to come because consumers have said, well, I can make that. I agree. Mm -hmm. I, I propose to a company here in Vancouver that we do hologram cooking shows. And 
Uh, for, that, for that particular reason that you brought up, people are watching cooking shows on television. They're buying ingredients. They want to have that social time at home. They're making things. They're making bread. They're making more complicated yeah. items. They're making healthier items. The availability of products through farmers' markets, through the, the Oppenheimer brothers, for example, here in, in Vancouver, 100 years ago, started the Oppenheimer Group. And that brings fruits and produce to every country around the world. Our availability of products mm. that we can go into the store and have them 365 days a year. Stores delivering. I, I think that we're going to see mm. some changes. And the changes may be that the current grocery stores turn more into a warehouse. Maybe you know, mm. Costco so, and, and, and Walmart and these types of operations have already thought of that, of you know, increasing their home delivery and having more mm. warehouse space to hold products. I, I don't know. Um, I've enjoyed being a chef and cooking for people all over the world. I would hate to think that I would lose mm. that joy because people are cooking more at home and they don't really like to have a chef create that magic for them. Mm. But... I think that's I, I, where we're going. I'm so I'm 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 optimistic. It will start to separate the the strong performers from the weak performers, if I can put it that way. Because I think I always enjoy going to restaurants and watching Chef because it helps me enjoy food I can't make myself, and maybe takes my game up at the same time. So I think it's a, a virtual circle that way. Uh, but I do think for the weaker uh, folks in the trade who are just kind of you know making making the same meal over and over again that can be replicated. I think there's, I think there's risk there, but back to our Canadian grand prix new products awards, uh, they'll open up again soon, but, um, we'll see what, uh, what's come up in 2020. And, and, uh, I think it'll be another interesting year ahead. If, um, folks want to learn a bit more about you, Marcus, where can they go? www.mavafoods.com or they can Google my name. Fortunately or unfortunately with Google, when you, have uh, anything that you do out there in the community, you have no privacy. So there's lots of different articles and, <laughs> and uh, television shows and things that I've uh, put together and, and have been featured on. And you can get to know about food, also mm. where things are going, in my estimation. It'll be interesting to see how our future might be traveling to outer space and what we're going to eat out there. So one last question. I'm sorry <laughs> to interrupt you here, but what type of food Go ahead. do you think we're going to eat in outer space? We have a, we have mm. a space colony, uh, and we need to make food. So yeah. what are we going to eat? Uh, I think insects well, for protein. I don't know. I just can't get over it. Putting, putting an insect in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but I think we need to take water up because we I, need water, right? We need yes, water yes. to survive, and unless they can make it in outer space, we're going to have to haul it up there. So we're going to have a vegetarian climate up there. We're going to grow plants to create mm. oxygen, yeah. and we're going to eat the plants. And I think vegetarian cuisine and healthier lifestyles are going to be stronger in the times to come, both here on Earth and perhaps in outer space. There's food for thought. Well, I, I think as we're now all thinking about our health more than 
perhaps we'd like to some days. Uh, I can't but help think you're exactly on the right track given your experience and perspective. So, Marcus, thanks again. It's so great to catch up with you. It's I've been a, it's been a joy to work with you over the years, and look forward to more years of the of innovation and product and your leadership and guidance in the process. And and I wish you a a safe week ahead. Thank you very much, Michael, and to all of my friends across Canada, and especially you people down in, in the eastern part. We wish you well and stay safe. Well, thanks to Jessica and Marcus for being on this episode of the Food Professor Podcast. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. Please rate and review, and be sure to recommend to a friend or colleague in the grocery, food service, or restaurant industry. I'm Michael LeBlanc, producer and host of the Voice of Retail Podcast, and a bunch of other stuff. And stay tuned for our next episode when my partner, Sylvain Charlebois, returns. Stay safe, everyone. <laughs>